0: Live from our nation's capital. Bloomberg 991 and 105.7 hd 2
1: The U.S. is sending more forces to the Middle East while Defense Secretary Mark Esper denies any Iraq exit, the latest on the escalating tensions between the U.S. and Iran. Meanwhile, fresh reaction tonight from House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. What she has to say about lawmakers returning from holiday recess in wake of these heightened tensions. We have the policy, the politics, and the latest on impeachment, John Bolton. Did you see this? John Bolton says that he is going to testify if he is subpoenaed. Joel Rubens here, a Democratic strategist, senior advisor to the Bernie Sanders campaign and a former deputy assistant secretary. Of the state at the State Department. Brad Blakeman Returns, a Republican strategist, former Deputy Assistant to President George W. Bush, and Guy Snodgrass, CEO of Defense Analytics, former Director of Communications, Chief Speechwriter to Secretary of Defense James Mattis, and the author of Holding the Line inside Trump's Pentagon with Secretary Mattis. We've got a lot to get through, a lot of foreign policy and a lot of politics. But first, let's get a check of the headlines from my good friend Nancy Lyons. Nancy?
4: Thanks, Kevin. You touched on a lot of these stories. While Iranians today were mourning a top general killed in a U.S. airstrike and were demanding retaliation, President Trump went on the Rush Limbaugh show to defend the killing of Qasem Soleimani.
2: Well, this should have been done for the last 15 to 20 years, him in particular. He was their real military leader. He's a terrorist. He was designated a terrorist by President Obama, and then Obama did nothing about it.
4: Meanwhile, there have been reports of an army letter that tells military officials in Baghdad American forces are repositioning in advance of leaving Iraq. But this afternoon, Defense Secretary Mark Esper says the U.S. has not decided whether to leave Iraq. Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer took to the Senate floor today to criticize President Trump's muddled foreign policy in the wake of the killing of Soleimani. With China, North Korea, Syria, Russia... The president has careened from one impulsive action to the next with no coherent strategy. Administration officials say they will be giving a classified briefing to lawmakers this Wednesday. Former White House National Security Advisor John Bolton says he is preparing to testify if he is subpoenaed by the Senate in its impeachment trial of President Trump. Bolton's surprise statement today bolsters congressional Democrats who are pushing the Senate to call new witnesses in the trial. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell has publicly expressed resistance to calling new witnesses. Democrats want testimony from Bolton and others who did not appear before the House in its impeachment inquiry. It's unclear whether Bolton's testimony would hurt or help President Trump. The new General Assembly sessions begin in Virginia and Maryland this Wednesday. In Richmond, the newly minted Democratic majority is coming in with an ambitious agenda.
5: Among the items topping Democrats' wish list, a ban on assault-style rifles, a crackdown on Confederate monuments, and a measure that would allow undocumented migrants to receive driver's licenses. Former Virginia Governor Terry McAuliffe tells the New York Times this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for Democrats to lead or get sent home in two years. But Democratic Delegate Joshua Cole of Fredericksburg says his party's caucus is divided, and it's unclear whether more aggressive bills would make it out of committee. Nathan Hager, Bloomberg 991 One. and 105.7 FM HD2.
4: An apparent loophole in Maryland's court record seemed to allow some documents to be kept out of the public eye. A review by the Capital Gazette found court documents filed through the state's electronic system could be made secret by attorneys, judges, or clerks without a court order or any public notice. For, for records filed by the paper, a judge has to issue an order before they can be sealed. A spokeswoman for the administrative office of the court says it's a loophole that does need further examination. In sports, the Nationals have signed reliever Dan Hudson on a new two-year contract worth $11 million. It is time now for the Beltway Business Report. Now here's Bloomberg's Joan Doniger. Wall Street pulled a pretty strong U-turn,
0: ending the day in positive territory by a quarter to a half percent after starting out with substantial losses. The Dow finished up 69 points, the Nasdaq 51, the S&P 11. Big tech firms helped engineer the rebound as investors shook off some worries about the tensions with Iran and let them boost cybersecurity firms in case of an Iranian cyber attack to retaliate for the drone strike against one of that nation's top generals. One of the district's oldest surviving apartment buildings might have a new neighbor. The Washington Business Journal says Arlo D.C., a relatively new hotel brand, wants to sit right next to the 131-year-old Harrison Apartments on 3rd Street Northwest. Arlo operates hotels in New York and Miami. And something that could set the stage for a legal battle with the NFL. A Las Vegas clothing maker wants to trademark the Ravens' unofficial team motto this season. The Baltimore Sun says the man who applied for the trademark says he's a Ravens fan. He wants to either partner with the team or with a clothing company with a licensing agreement to get the Ravens' logo on his T-shirts and sweatshirts. You're up to date now on business from the Beltway to Baltimore. I'm Joan Doniger. This is Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2.
4: Thanks, Joan. Global news 24 hours a day on air and on Quick Take by Bloomberg, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Nancy Lyons. Back to you, Kevin.
1: Thank you, Nancy. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg television and Bloomberg radio it was a busy day folks particularly as it relates to Iran we started the day in this we started the day in, in with with new developments as President Trump over the weekend saying that there would be a disproportionate response to Iran should they engage in any type of military conflict if they were to respond President Trump tweeting that then President Trump goes on the Rush Limbaugh show, talking to Rush Limbaugh about the killing of Soleimani. Take a listen to what President Trump had to say.
4: This should have been done for the
2: last 15 to 20 years. Him in particular, he was their real military leader. He's a terrorist, he was designated a terrorist by President Obama, and then Obama did nothing about it
1: President Trump earlier today and Secretary of State Mike Pompeo on ABC's This Week. Take a listen to the Secretary
4: of State. The intelligence assessment made clear that no action allowing Soleimani to continue his plotting and his planning, his terror campaign created more risk than taking the action that we took last week.
1: Brad Blakeman is here, Republican strategist, former deputy assistant to President George W. Bush. Guy Snodgrass, also CEO of Defense Analytics, former director of communications, chief speechwriter to Secretary of Defense James Mattis. And Joel Rubin, a Democratic strategist, former deputy assistant secretary of state. Uh, Brad, I'm going to start with you because you hear all of these developments from President Trump, uh, tough talk, tough tweets with regards to Iran. You hear the secretary of state. But House Speaker of Nancy Pelosi is going to be voting on a resolution later this week essentially saying he doesn't have free reign to go to war with Iran.
2: My opinion, uh, unfortunately, Speaker Pelosi is providing aid and comfort to our enemy. Um, Instead of getting behind the President and his actions, there was no time. The criminal was caught at the scene of of his crimes, his many crimes in Iraq. He wasn't taken out in Iran. He was in Iraq to destabilize and to kill Americans and others. It's unfortunate because I I remember uh, when Republicans and Democrats rejoiced when our government took out Osama bin Laden. Uh, I particularly was happy with that because Osama bin Laden killed my nephew in 9-11, was a first responder at the World Trade Center in the South Tower. So I think it's a time for bipartisanship, for patriotism, for Americans to come together and not be divided on this issue. President Trump did the right thing for the right reasons.
1: Guy, I mean, you hear about all of these military developments. Take us inside of Defense Secretary Mark Esper's world right now as he is navigating through conflicting reports of whether or not troops are going to withdraw from Iran. He has since come out within the last couple of hours and said that's not going to happen. Take us into the Defense Department.
6: You bet. So it's going to be just a whirlwind of activity right now because, as you mentioned, I mean, there's a lot of hot takes going on, especially when it comes to these so military So many offers. hot
1: tweets, Absolutely. Hot takes. Who
6: knows what's going on? They're talking about no B-52s going to Diego Garcia so they can be responsive to any kind of Iranian campaign. So I think what you're seeing right now from a military operations aspect is, quite frankly, an information campaign. You've just taken out the number two in Iran. Uh, General Soleimani, and so now you're using uh, all your various means to start to signal not only the Iranians but also the Iraqis as, you, uh, as you've already seen in the news, they're talking about the fact that the letter leaked early saying that the U.S. was going to basically withdraw all forces from Iraq. So, of course, that's a, a very strong signal to the government of Iraq that if you want to play these kind of games, then, yes, we'll take our troops I mean, to go it's home.
1: remarkable.
6: Defense Secretary, I'm
1: reading from the Bloomberg Terminal, Glenn Carey and Anthony Capaccio reporting. Defense Secretary Mark Esper said the U.S. hasn't decided whether to leave Iraq after reports of an army letter purportedly telling military officials in Baghdad Dad, that American forces were repositioning in advance of a departure. quote, "There is no decision to leave nor did we issue any plans to leave or prepare to leave end quote Esper said. Joel Rubin come in here. I mean, my sources on Capitol Hill, they're still coming back from holiday recess. Pelosi's going to have this resolution vote. Tim Kaine, Democrat from Virginia, is, has it introduced in the Senate. It feels like so much volatility, so much uncertainty, surrounding Iran. It feels different, dare I say, than the situation with Trump and Kim Jong-un.
3: Well, I think that President Trump has sort of made a unilateral decision to declare war on Iran without congressional uh, authorization, without presenting it to the American people. And essentially now Congress is coming back playing catch up, as as you said. But they, they were advancing bills last year, and those bills were bipartisan that were seeking a, a clear authorization by Congress for any of these types of actions, Matt Gates included, who's a, a key ally to the president, supporting that along with Rokana. Khanna. So uh, we're in a bit of a standstill politically, but the president, he owns this, and uh, it's really unique in our, in our recent history.
6: So one of the things I think we should keep our eye on the prize, I mean, we just discussed a minute ago the fact that uh, all Americans across the aisle should be celebrating this as a significant victory. And, right. and that's where I'm going to disagree a little bit, because when you take a look at what happened with Osama bin Laden, that was al-Qaeda. That was a designated terrorist group. The distinction you have here, and, and again, I mean, I know there's a political element, and that's always going to be pervasive in a decision like this, and we're going to start to dissect it. I mean, but from everyone from, 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 from
1: AOC to Colin Kaepernick have, have weighed in on yeah, this. Yeah, Go everyone's going to weigh in. Yeah. But,
6: but when you start really, when you peel this back and you have to and you take a look at what the State Department has to do, the work the Department of Defense has to do. Uh, you know, Esper's fielding frantic phone calls from allies, not just from the Middle East, but around the world, trying to determine what does this action mean and what does it say about U.S. resolve both in the region and globally. So, so those- but you know, and Brad, let me, let me put this to you because there
1: there's some conflicting, we have less than a minute here, but there's some conflicting reports in terms, or not reports, really. Esper's saying that U.S. would not strike Iran on, t- on cultural sites. Meanwhile, President Trump's statements over the weekend, he said on Twitter that he had included Iranian cultural sites on a list of 52 targets for attacks should Tehran retaliate against the U.S.
2: I mean, I, it seems like they're not on the same page. I think it's clear that any retaliation that was called for is going to be overwhelming and disproportionate to any attacks on us, uh, either at home, on our homeland, or Uh, overseas. And if that does happen, I think we're going to follow the the norms and traditions of of warfare and we're not going to go outside those.
1: All right. Coming up, much more reaction from the panel. Joel Rubin, Brad Blakeman, Guy Snodgrass. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. Download the Bloomberg Sound on podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on Radio.com, iHeartRadio and Spotify. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1.
0: This is Bloomberg's Sound On with Kevin Cerilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore.
1: I'm Kevin Cerilli. Happy Monday, folks. What a weekend. What a weekend as it relates to geopolitics, U.S., Iran. A lot, an all star panel to help navigate us, to help navigate through this. Joel Rubin, Brad Blakeman, Guy Snodgrass. Joel, you, 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 the last time you were here, we were trying to figure out who you're going to endorse. You're the former Deputy Assistant Secretary of State. Uh-huh. You backed. Bernie Sanders, why?
3: Yeah. Oh, I, I think Bernie's a clean break from the, the mentality that we just discussed, and frankly, about Iran, which is that uh, here's an idea. Let's start a war and then figure out how to start more wars and continue them on and uh, never end them. And Bernie, nearly 30 years ago on House floor, opposed the idea of fighting the first Iraq war, said we'll be stuck for several decades. He was right. And uh, Joe Biden was wrong, and frankly, I think it's really critical that we have some new thinking in this town.
1: So beyond that, I mean, there are many questions as to whether or not Bernie Sanders can be commander in chief. What do you say to folks who are, you know, have are looking at his record and they just see Larry Craig?
3: <laughs> Sorry, I mean <laughs> Larry David. Larry, Larry David, David, not Larry, Larry David. Craig. Larry Craig? Oh. No, yeah. Uh, well, that would be that would be Monday enjoyable. folks from Kevin
1: Cerilli on Bloomberg. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm still annoyed that the Eagles lost yesterday. Just give me a little bit of a, of a break. Go
3: ahead. Now, look, there are a couple critical things to know about him. First of all, he was chairman of the Veterans Affairs Committee and, and led many significant reforms to take care of our, our soldiers and sailors and, and those who return to fund on our behalf. But also he's led the fight in the last couple of years against the war in Yemen to try to block funding for American military uh, weapons go to Saudi for that endless war. Right. Got bipartisan support for it. He's one of the leading voices on national security right now in Congress. So, yeah, it, it's about judgment. And he has been making judgment calls that have been working or would have worked. And certainly we've seen the alternative, which is right now we're having unauthorized war against Iran with no end in sight. Brad,
1: did you see this? John Bolton's going to testify if called on. If called on. If called on. If sure. called on. So I'm at the White House today and uh, covering Iran. And then we get this. We get this this latest development. Former National Security Advisor John Bolton says Monday he would testify if subpoenaed during President Trump's impeachment trial in the Senate. This is a complication for Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. You look at Murkowski, you look at Collins. There's no, uh, he's got
2: pressure. Not really. Okay. Because why? If he is subpoenaed to testify, the subpoena isn't personal to John Bolton. Uh, the president can always invoke executive privilege and prevent his testimony. So the fact that John Bolton wants to testify really may have no consequence at all if the president prevents him, rightfully so, to protect the interests of the office of the presidency and not necessarily Donald Trump personally. All
1: right. Well, when you look at that guy, I mean, do you think that, 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 that Bolton is what, – what's, Bolton, what's Bolton's play here?
6: Oh, I mean, I, I think it's a master class in how you set yourself up to look great in the news, but not actually have anything happen. That's what I think. So you could have offered this up. You mean John Bolton's being sneaky? Yeah. (laughs) When it it was in the House, right, you could have offered this up and said, if subpoenaed, and you better believe it would have been out there in a New York minute. And then, of course, you could see whether or not it can actually be enforced because of executive privilege. I like what he's done. He's come out when it's getting ready to head over to the Senate and said, I'm ready to testify if subpoenaed. Uh, likely knowing that that's not e- going to even occur with the Republican majority in the Senate.
3: Well, if John Bolton knows things, he needs to come clean and tell the American people about what's going on in this White House. He owes he it to would have us. if he was subpoenaed he's paid, by the he, House. He's paid, he's paid by the American taxpayer for doing that work. We need to understand what it is that went on in the White House. He should be clear, and he shouldn't have any qualms about being honest with the American What
1: people. I don't understand, Brad Blatman, is when this trial is going to start.
2: May, I mean, not, may not start. I mean, uh, it's just going to... It may not start I don't even understand that. Well, here's the problem. Um, I happen to believe, since the articles of impeachment have not been delivered to the House, to the Senate, then, uh, in fact, he has not been impeached because the act has not been consummated by the filing with the clerk in the Senate. Now, assuming you don't believe that. Respectfully,
3: that, no lawyer says that. I'm a lawyer. I'm a lawyer. And <laughs> no, I say no no lawyer Are you who a lawyer? All right. Hey,
1: hey, hey. <laughs> I've had a long day. I'm a lawyer. And I say <laughs> hey, my show. Hey, my show. The Eagles aren't in the playoffs anymore. Bills hey, at least Tom at least Tom Brady lost through an interception. But it come sad, on, but it was I, it was glorious as a the highlight. Fan, I felt bad for. Him. I'm right. gonna throw you a bone, Joel. Okay, uh, let's Lindsay, stay focused. <laughs> I'll tell Lindsay you, Graham. we're not gonna talk over one another. Lin- Brad has the floor.
2: Lindsey Graham says that regardless of whether the articles are filed or not, that he wants to proceed with a trial. A trial can. There's many options in the trial. Senate. There could be. A motion to dismiss at the, at the reading of the articles of impeachment. There could be an abbreviated trial, a full trial. There could be a motion to dismiss the end of a trial. Okay, so what we're
1: unpackaging here, and we are going to calmly discuss, is this debate in the legal sphere as to whether or not the Senate has to wait until Speaker Pelosi hands over the goods, the articles of impeachment. Brad Blakeman and Republicans say no. You, Joel... Say yes. <laughs> I,
3: I say I say that the the House it has the sole power of impeachment. It is impeached. It is up to the House to determine whether or not to send those articles forward or not. They could not. She Nancy Pelosi could just say you're impeached and that's it, and not move to convict. I hope so. But that, frankly, would leave and we see the president very frustrated because he doesn't have. He's not been exonerated yet. And I think that's the game that she's playing to try to get a real trial that we hope the Senate will have.
1: But do you think Mitch McConnell? I mean, if you're Mitch McConnell, and and you're looking at Polo, or I'm sorry, you're looking at Murkowski saying she wants a fair trial, Susan Collins saying she wants a fair trial, and now John Bolton saying, "Yeah, I'll testify." I mean, do you think that this changes his calculation at all or does it just put pressure on his communication staff?
6: Well, of course, it changes the calculation. I mean, when you think about uh, Klausowitz, right, I mean, war is just a continuation of politics by other means. We're watching that play out between the House and the Senate right now. It is relatively open conflict between the two as they're looking to sort out impeachment. But I do agree with Joel from my layman's reading of the Constitution. I mean, he has been he has been impeached. It is now up to the Senate to determine whether or not that will be taken up and and whether there's a conviction to follow. Again, we haven't had many cases,
2: thank God, in our history. (laughs) Um, So we're making new territory every day. Um, And we're making precedent for the next time, uh, regretfully, if it ever happens again. Um, But having said that, I think uh, the, the credibility today is on the House. You claim that this guy is such a danger; he needs to be removed from office. Yet you're not sending the articles of impeachment. When you over say "you," because people aren't in the studio, to the House for the House to, yeah. to to continue the process, give it to the Senate let the Senate deal with it, which is their constitutional responsibility.
3: So I, I do think it's a really important point, and I'm glad that Bradley brought it up, which is that no two impeachments are made alike. There is not a single impeachment. That has been precedent for the next. We've had what? Andrew Johnson, somewhat Richard Nixon, Bill Clinton. This is the way it goes. Every impeachment can be its own vehicle.
1: You know, I was at the beach the other day. I feel it's like back to reality. We've got impeachment talking. The Eagles are out of the playoffs. Our executive producer just put in the group chat. Everyone's so feisty today. I mean, (laughs) welcome back to Washington, everybody. (laughs) Jeez.
5: (laughs) All right, happy
1: twenty twenty, happy new decade coming up. Much more reaction on Iran. Man, I was i was, didn't expect that energy. I'm Kevin Cirilli. You're listening to Bloomberg
5: 99.1. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at steeple.com That's S-T-I-F-E-L dot com.
3: Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE.
0: This is Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2.
3: Because Pelosi is now sitting on the articles she claimed were so very urgent. She's delayed this indefinitely so that the architects of the failed House process can look for ways to reach over here into the Senate and dictate our process as well.
1: That was Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell speaking earlier on the on the Senate floor talking about impeachment. Did not make any word on John Bolton, President Trump's former national security advisor, who says he would testify if the Senate subpoenaed him. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio, jam-packed all-star panel, foreign policy experts, presidential experts. Brad Blakeman here, Republican strategist. Joel Rubin, Democratic strategist. He just endorsed Bernie Sanders, and he's a former deputy assistant secretary of state. Guy Snodgrass, CEO of Defense Analytics. I got to tell you, my dad loved your book. Hey, thanks. I gave it to him after you were here. Holding the Line Inside Trump's Pentagon with Secretary Mattis. Uh, you are, of course, the former uh, director of communications and chief speechwriter to Secretary of Defense James Mattis. And you just told me in the break some some cool news. You're working on another book.
6: Yeah, you bet. I've got another project in the works right now. It's called Top, gun, top 10 from Top Gun. Top 10 from Top Gun. You bet. Lessons gun. from the cockpit, right? Wow. So if you are because a fan of— Because you're a— yeah. yeah, that's right. A former Top Gun instructor. So if you're a fan of Admiral Bill McRaven, he's written some great books, one of which was Make Your Bed, tailored after a commencement <laughs> speech he gave at University of Texas. I'm going to interrupt you right yeah, now. Yeah, go for it.
1: That book is on my nightstand. Yeah. I love that book. If you haven't read Make Your Bed, Little Things That Can Change Your Life and Maybe the World by Admiral William H. McRaven. You're missing out. it changed my life. It's I make a great my bed. Yeah, I saying. make my bed, too. I'm OCD, I'm OCD about it. Enough about bed making, but it's a great book. It's called Make Your Bed, and it's it's an incredible book. Anyway, go ahead.
6: Yeah, so, I mean, you, you take a look at a book like that. I love the form factor. I love the fact that it was so poignant. I mean, everything's pithy. You pick it up. You could easily make your way through basically all ten chapters in one sitting. And I wanted to produce something very similar from my vantage point as a former Top Gun instructor. I mean, there were so many life lessons that came out of it. And I think it's timely, too, especially with the second Top Gun movie coming out in the summer. Do you think they can top the first? I I, I don't know. The promo (laughs) videos have actually – i mean, They look good. Naval aviators are a hard crowd to please. And so far, from what we've seen in the trailers, people love it. It, it it does look incredible. It comes out in the fall. Uh June.
1: June 26th. June. Oh, it's a summer blockbuster. It is. All right, we need something to look forward to. You know, <laughs> besides all the you know, besides, <laughs> I don't even, never mind. Th- I'm not going to finish that thought. Sweets and treats. Uh okay, so that your book comes out in the yeah. fall.
6: Yeah. Uh, we're right now we're looking at late summer, early fall.
1: All right, take me up in the air. You bet. All right, Let's you soon. heard it here. I'm going up in the air. <laughs> And then I'll interview you about your new book.
6: Yeah, we got a nice Cessna. We'll take you up. It'll be great. <laughs>
1: what? Give us a. T- give us like. I can't. Or give us one lesson. Maybe it won't be in the book, but what's coming in your head right now as you're talking about this? What's a life lesson that, that that you know? Give us a feel of it.
6: You know, I mean, well, one of the vignettes is when you when I look back at my experience at top gun, I'll never forget. You do this thing called. I mean, it's dogfighting. We call it basic fighter maneuvers. It's when you take one aircraft and you're going mano a mano against another aircraft in close quarters. I mean, you're just dogfighting. You're balling it up. And so one of the things I'll never forget, when you're a top gun instructor, you've got to do it time after time again until you get it damn near perfect, because that's that's what they want to see for you to meet that level of perfection. And I'll never forget, I came back from a flight, threw my helmet bag across the, uh, the the quarter deck essentially because I was so frustrated at how poorly I'd performed. And the uh, top gun instructor at the time, who was training me, comes over, grabs me on the shoulder, and says, "Hey, man." Like just stick with it, because remember, nothing worthwhile is ever easy. And I thought, man, what a great so you know, just stuff like that. Where yeah. no matter what you face, no matter what kind of adversity comes your way, it's like you can get through it. You just plow right through it. Next thing you know, you're uh, you're one of them. You're one of the. See, top you know of the why
1: I like that story. That's a beautiful story. You know why I like that story is because here we are on Monday in the new decade. And it's dominated by foreign policy. It's dominated by Iran. And yet so often, and maybe I shouldn't say this, but so often when you see these media reports, it feels so plastic. And we forget that there are actually families. There are parents. There are siblings all throughout the country. And I'm not on a soapbox here. And, of course, men and women who are serving in uniform, that these headlines impact. And I'm not talking about the price of oil. I'm talking about they impact families. Take us behind the scenes right now of the past 48 hours as tensions have escalated between the U.S. and Iran into what these incredibly brave men and women, regardless of their political stripes, are dealing with as something like this comes to the forefront of the
6: national conscience. You bet. Well, there's always going to be some nervous tension, some energy, especially if you're one of the units who've been tapped to d- to deploy to the Middle East, because you're, you're just not quite sure yet what you're going to face when you get there, whether it's going to be a stabilization effort or whether this thing balloons into something much larger. But more importantly, are the families here back home, and it's not just your immediate family. It's your grandparents. It's everyone who's associated with you. As a service member, you love what you do. You're so patriotic. You you care about the country, and you want to you wanna serve in uniform. But your family is the one who is... You know, they're twiddling their thumbs, wondering what is going to happen. And they're the ones who really bear that nervous energy that you're talking about.
1: And it's so disgusting that this is my pivot now and back into politics, because you hear the severity of the the topics that we're talking about from someone like Guy Snodgrass, who knows about this better than anyone. But now we pivot to the politics. I mean, next week, I'll be in Iowa covering the Democratic presidential debate. Brad Blakeman, Republican strategist. We've heard the drumbeat of of Democrats. Uh, I'm curious to see what Rand Paul does about this. But the politics of this, President Trump doesn't want to go into war heading into a reelection effort, even if the the big stick type of rhetorical tweets helps him with a certain portion of the base. But he doesn't want to go into war. Independents aren't aren't looking. This isn't this doesn't feel like a country that wants to go into war. Having served a
2: president uh, who uh, entered war, yeah. President George, well, both. Bushes entered into war. The Gulf War with 41 and and uh, the Iraq War uh, with President 43. It, it's not something presidents want to do. These are heady decisions for the very reason that we've just heard. I mean, you're putting men and women and families at risk. And um, so it's not an easy time. And the president doesn't make these decisions, any president, a vacuum. And he doesn't make it necessarily... Uh, as advertised politically. He's not worried about what his base is going to think. I'm sure that uh, when President Obama um, made the decision to take Osama bin Laden out, he didn't ask uh, his political strategist, how is this going to affect my poll numbers? He did it because it was in the best interest of the United States. And I give him that same benefit of the doubt as I give our President, our present President. So I, I think it's about time that The Democrats cut him just a bit of slack as they returned to Washington for their briefings on why, where and how this occurred. (laughs) All right. So the
1: reason I'm laughing is not because of the the intensity of this is because I'm literally watching Joel Rubin, Democratic strategist, senior advisor to Bernie Sanders campaign (laughs) and former deputy assistant secretary of state so politely Cover his mouth as Brad Blakeman was saying that. I know you're etching gentleman. to respond. I'm so no, so now is your officer, chance. i
3: but I am a gentleman. You
1: have the microphone. And I know my friend Brad Blakeman will, will give you the same respect to let you talk as well. Perhaps.
3: Well, well, <laughs> well <laughs> don't count on it. Now, look, you know, uh, questioning one's patriotism or commitment to country because they disagree with policy is beneath us all. And I think that's what just happened. No, it did um, not happen. Uh, oh, come yes, on. Yes, it did. And— um, Uh, What I want to point out clearly, and I will be very uh, American about this, the American people expected us to attack Osama bin Laden and get rid of him for having destroyed the Twin Towers and killed 3,000 American civilians. And that's what President Obama did with full authority. That is not what we're talking about right now. He didn't do it with full
2: authority. You're wrong. Uh, He didn't seek congressional approval.
3: Again, let's— Brad, the 2001 authorization for the use of military force against al-Qaeda provided him with the legal rationale and backup. And through a multi-year effort engaging Congress and getting appropriations for that operation, he enacted a successful one. That is not what we're looking at now. But that's beside the point. I think going to the bigger point picture, no, no American president wants to go to war. So, why is this president taking us to war in a war of choice without seeking American backup for well, it? Well,
1: we're not in war. We're not at war. No,
3: but we have attacked. But you're saying a we're major headed to that figure. This has been a consistent strategy. Can of I ask you a question? administration.
1: Solomon, bad guy. The guy's a bad guy. Yeah. I mean, are you happy that he's gone? Look, I. Happy I, is the wrong word. <laughs> I'm it, not going to take I don't, don't, don't want to say. I, that's, a, that's a dumb question. I shouldn't have asked that is question.
3: A, the question is, is was it a strategically, was it a strategically, sound, strategically move? sound, yeah. Look, you know, uh, if you think it's strategically sound to essentially assassinate a foreign uh, powerhouse from another country on a third party country's territory, have that third party country who we need as an ally kick us out and then have the other have the other. Uh, it's difficult, but I will I will lay it out clearly.
1: You don't like the way he Iran, did
3: it. Iran is an actor that needs to be reined in. This does not do that. All
1: right, I hear you. So this is, this is an. I mean, we're, we're talking to someone who worked at the State Department, someone who served two presidents, and, of course, someone who knows General Mattis. So you guys are the experts. I know everyone knows what they're talking about, and I very much respect all of the different viewpoints. Coming up, what's on the panel's radar? I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Radio, and you're listening to Bloomberg 99.1.
0: This is Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2.
1: I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. The best team in the world, the Philadelphia Eagles, are no longer in the playoffs. Everyone's least favorite team in the world, the New England Patriots, are also no longer in the playoffs. And the rumor is Tom Brady's throwing in the towel on the Patriots. Talk about loyalty. Hey, who needs, lo- who needs friends when you've got friends like Tom Brady? Uh, anyway,
0: <laughs> Guy
1: Snodgrass is a Dallas Cowboys fan, but your son made the right decision in life, sir, and uh, is an Eagles fan. How does that happen?
6: Uh, I mean, bad parenting, I guess. <laughs> no, it, well, uh,
1: well <laughs> he turned out all right in spite of the cow- <laughs> Wait, but really, how does that happen?
6: You know, I have no idea. We've never lived in Pennsylvania or in Philadelphia. In fact, the first time I was stationed here in Washington, D.C., when I was at the Pentagon yeah. uh, years ago, he was a Washington Redskins fan. We lived overseas in Japan for three and a half years, came back, and suddenly he's all about the Philadelphia Eagles.
1: Because, you know, I hear there's a big, large
6: Philadelphia Eagles contingency in, in Japan. There is. And the funny thing is, my squadron <laughs> was the VFA 195 Dam Busters. The logo was the same logo that the Eagles used. So I bet that's, that, the that's there, well, it is. there it is. We just made there the Eagles. It yeah. is.
1: Okay, that is an amazing story. All right. It's Joel Rubens here, Democratic strategist, senior advisor to Bernie Sanders' campaign. He also worked at the State Department. And, of course, Brad Blakeman, Republican strategist, former deputy assistant to President George W. Bush. Brad, I'm going to start with you because the president liked a lot of your tweets. He called you out on Twitter as a compliment. And in conservative world, that's a very big deal. Your phone must have
2: blown up. It's much better to get a positive tweet from the president than a <laughs> negative tweet. Let me start there. But the president's right. I am a great lawyer. He called me a great lawyer. I have to agree. I appreciate it. And the fact does is, that
1: help your business? I mean, I know it's a personal question, but I mean, it's, no, it's, no, it does it um, not. i, I sorry.
2: A negative tweet probably would hurt my business. Yeah, I'm but sure. a positive tweet, I guess, is probably All right. expected. But uh, so tell
1: I, us, this is what's on your radar the, t- the points that you were making yeah. in the tweet. Go ahead. Okay,
2: what's on my radar is this what is the House going to do with uh, regard to the articles of impeachment? I and this town operate on a schedule, and the schedule is that they have to back up the time from, the, from February 4th, the time the President will give his State of the Union. I find it hard to believe that the Senate would not want this wrapped up, and the House, when the President addresses the nation, because if the trial is still going on, the President will not only have his accusers, the House there, but will also have his jurors, the Senate there. So it's a very awkward time. I back it up from February 4th. I think that is the, the drop-dead date for this to be done. But gone. it's not impossible. I mean, weirder
1: things have happened in recent but years. But that would be really weird. Yeah, I mean, imagine that. And I've said this for a while now on this program. Imagine all of the pomp and circumstances that the Supreme Court justices, Speaker Pelosi sitting behind him Correct. next to Vice President Mike Pence in the middle of the— impeachment trial, and a day after the Iowa caucus. Correct. The drama. I kind of think there's part of President Trump's mind that would be like, yeah, bring it on. I don't think so. I I don't think
2: think Democratic senators want it because six of them are running against the president. By the way, I think they should recuse themselves because they have a vested interest in him (laughs) being convicted. Well, to that point,
1: I find it, I'm very curious to see what Joe Manchin does. Democrat from West Virginia. He's not up for reelection. But there were a handful of Democrats who didn't vote for impeachment in the House.
2: You look at that trend traditionally that would mimic itself in the Senate. Correct. I think Joe Manchin is a statesman. He's going to do the right thing. I don't think there's enough evidence to convict the president. Clearly, the Senate will not convict him. We already know how it ends. We just don't know when.
1: All right. Brad Blakeman's obsessed with impeachment. I am. I get it. it. It's a big
2: deal. I, no, I'm not. I'm
1: not saying it as a criticism. That's what's on your radar. Yeah. Hey, we're honest on SoundOn. Absolutely. We're honest. Uh, I'm going to go to you next, Joel Rubin.
3: Yes. Well, I, 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 before you ask the question, I got to say, I want to put out there. Sometimes it's good to say, "What would Mitch McConnell do?" If he were, <laughs> if he were doing this, and you know what I would do if I were Mitch McConnell, I would hold off sending the articles until September. Right before yeah. the election, sit no, on it, November. Make them sweat. Yeah. Why not? You know, and and so I think it's just really funny that the Republicans are concerned that the Democrats are finally playing some hardball. Mitch McConnell held up a Supreme Court seat and did that for a whole year. But so I also think okay.
1: outside. Of, this is uh, outside of the Beltway. I, I'm uh, people are just what impeachment. Yes. You know, but anyway, what's on your radar?
3: Yeah, no, what's on my radar? Well, you know, we got the uh, Democratic uh, debate next week. We got yes. the primary. I'm getting a zombie thereafter. burger. Have you ever been to Des Moines? I, uh, I have been to Des Moines. All right,
1: Des Moines has this place called Zombie Burger, which yes. has incredible, incredibly unhealthy burgers that are the best burgers I've ever had in my life. They, The bun is made out of fried macaroni and cheese. Mm. And all... Month since I learned, and today when my TV producer David Sucherman said that we were going next week, I was like, I get zombie burger. So anyway,
3: go ahead. You mean it makes you a zombie? Is that what happens? No. Well, it's
1: I'm off on a tangent. Apologize.
3: Powers that be. Foodie.
1: But uh, when you go into this place, there's a ton, like dozens, like a, a sports bar would have TVs, but this has horror movies on all of those TVs. So that's why it's called Zombie Burger. So what's on your radar, uh, Iowa?
3: Iowa, Iowa, Iowa. It's going to be determinant, really. Uh, it's it, We've got a three-way tie at the top. We've yeah. got Biden, Buttigieg, and Bernie three B's the killer bees, and it, it's <laughs> it's, it's a really well I'm a Pittsburgh Steelers fan so I, I still live in the past <laughs> more like <Nets>. but, <laughs> but no 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 be nice but uh we've got we've got real real interesting candidates in dilemma uh, dynamics right now and I think I was gonna gonna set a trajectory for one of them uh clearly but That's what's on my radar. Did you
1: see what the Daily Beast, uh, Hannah Trudeau wrote in the Daily Beast? Judge put a link out to it. The headline on the Daily Beast, Obama World Hates Bernie and Has No Idea How to Stop Him.
3: And my most striking response to an ascendant Sanders is the lack of one. Yeah. Is is, is the tagline because people kind of like Bernie. And the question now is how are they coming out and how are they going to say it? Because there's, you know, the progressives are ascendant and dominant in Democratic politics right now. Uh, we've got uh, we've got some votes to count before we really see how dominant they are uh, on the on paper. But uh, Obama world you know, fell in love with Obama because he he's a progressive, and I think that ultimately we we will see that that kind of energy and enthusiasm comes out. And that's really for Democrats the challenge this year is is getting a candidate who's enthusiastic and turns people out. Versus someone who can argue, stay the course, and, and I'm a safe bet, and you know what I am, and is that going to turn people out as well? And Thirty-four point
1: five sure. million is what Sanders got in the yeah. latest haul. I mean,
3: that's five million individual donations. The next
1: closest was Buttigieg with twenty-four point seven. All right, that's what's on your radar. That's a big what's deal. on your radar, Mister
6: Snodgrass? So I'm going to shift us away from politics. Yes, please over do to <laughs> foreign policy. So. I spent a year and a half in the Trump administration, in the front office with Secretary Mattis, so I watched as we withdrew from Trans-Pacific Partnership, as we stepped out of the Paris Climate Accords, as we dealt with the fire and fury of North Korea, uh, certainly as we've dealt with uh, the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, that was the Iranian nuclear agreement, and it just feels like 2020 is the year where all these chickens are going to come home to roost. Meaning. There were a lot of short-term wins that were made. Uh, North Korea is a great example. Some tacit agreements. We got a little bit of a concession out of North Korea, but all those have stopped. Kim Jong-un is now saying he's going to to resume nuclear testing. He's going to resume launching ballistic missiles. They've started firing off short-range ballistic missiles Mm -hmm. as of a month or two ago. So it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out in 2020 to find out how this is actually all going to play out.
1: And no predictions?
6: I think it's going to. Don't seem us. It's helpful. Gonna, you know, it's going to be. It's going to be. Happy a New Year, year to you too, Snoggrass. <laughs> <Thanks. laughs> <I know. laughs>
1: all right, so you're saying that the that the pullout of all of these different agreements and whatnot that Sugar that all of that over. it's gonna it's gonna come. The chickens, as you said, are gonna come home to roost. All right, we're going to have to leave it there. My thanks. This was an all-star panel. I, uh, Joel Rubin, Brad Blakeman, Guy Snodgrass, I very much appreciate you guys coming on. Tomorrow, Congress is back, and we'll have every angle covered. I'm back to Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg TV and Radio. Download the Bloomberg Sound on, on Bloomberg.com by downloading the Bloomberg Business app or on iTunes. You can also find us on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. You're listening to Bloomberg. Ninety
0: nine one.